Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. This week, I have something a little bit different to share. A dear friend of mine wanted me to check in with her dog to see how he's doing, and so I gave her a little reading. My name is Milana Weintraub. I have this dog named Hank, and uh, you actually met him once or twice, and that's who we're here to talk about. Well, but also about me, I am a writer, actor, director, activist, talker, yapper, schmuck. Not a schmuck, but a comedian. Yes, sure. Fantastic one. So we're going to talk to Hank. Why don't you tell me exactly what you want me to check in with him about? Well, Hank is a rescue. He was found on the streets of West Hollywood. And I am so curious what his life was like before me because he came to me with a little bit of trauma. And I don't know if it's actually because he is, uh, because he had some kind of troubled past. Although I can't imagine a world where somebody would just let him go. There were also no signs. Nobody was looking for him. He wasn't microchipped. He still had his balls and he was over a year old. So I, I imagine that there was some kind of miscare, but uh, you know, he's got very classic dog problems. Like he hates mailmen and skateboards, but he sometimes also just doesn't like certain people. I would, I'm just curious what's going on in his head. He's also very attached to me and he loves me a lot. And I know it's part of his breed to be like a one person dog, I sometimes wish there was a way that I could just like call him when I have to go on a trip or something and just be like, I love you, buddy. I'm going to be right back. Don't freak out. And, and maybe that's, that's something that you could help me with. Absolutely. But I also really enjoy the idea of him having his own cell phone. I'm just going to. Yeah. Just like it's a little flip phone that he holds up with his paw. That's exactly what I was envisioning as a flip phone. Um, this, <laughs> this just says everything about me and you. Okay. And he's with you right now, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first thing that I can see is that he's not showing me that he's especially traumatized from his past, but I think it was neglectful. I mean, it kind of looks like he lived with other dogs, like in a backyard. Um, mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like left. He's just like, I wouldn't even say escaped because it doesn't look like he was being deeply cared for. So I don't think he like, anyone was trying to hold on to him, but he likes other dogs, eh? Mm-hmm. It looks to me like he, um, okay, so there's a, there's a couple of things he's showing me. And when you say that he, has, he kind of reacts poorly to people, it's interesting. He's showing me this really specific thing. It's almost, I, I don't know how to frame it exactly because it's not the most literal thing I've ever seen. But essentially what he's doing is he's showing me square people, like people whose body shapes are square. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I wonder if that's like a uniform thing. Oh, you that makes sense. Yeah, a uniform thing. Because we're, we're just like bulky clothes. There's something about the way people, certain kinds of people move, certain specific people move. It can be about what they look like, but I actually think it's more how they move in their bodies or in their clothes that he associates with maybe a step before attack. He's not violent though, is he? He's... 99% of the time, an actual bunny. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like a potato bunny. He's a snuggly yeah. bunny. So, so there's, there's like a couple things that he's showing me. 
the one, one of them is, yeah, he doesn't want to stop being aggressive because he feels mm-hmm. like it's his, it's a common sense thing for him with certain people that he perceives as threatening. And it might be because there was threat from people before you guys were besties, like in his previous mm-hmm. life. But I don't get the feeling that there was something really terrible that happened. I just get the feeling that any measure of like discipline or control that happened from humans before were like the only contact he had with humans. It doesn't look like there was like straight up abuse or anything like that. No, I could be wrong. But from what he's showing me, people always ask me questions about like, well, what happened before we were together uh, about their animal friends? And Mm -hmm. animals tend to be really zen. They're not super attached to the past, even if there's present trauma. So I often don't get great data about what happened before. That said, I guess what he's showing me is he doesn't need you to do anything for him around it. Now, Hank... Hank is a really happy dog. So here's my question. Do you have more questions for me? Or for him, rather? Why does he move my shoes when I leave? It, he feels it's his job. But he knows it's bad. Because when he's moved shoes and I come home, he won't greet me at the door. But if he hasn't moved shoes, he'll come over and say hello. When I come home and he's moved shoes, he actually will try and hide in the bathroom behind the tub because he's ashamed. <laughs> And maybe that's because I've, I've scolded him. Yeah. But, Hank, why do you move my shoes? He chews on my shoelaces. He's destroyed some shoelaces before, some hard-to-replace shoelaces. Oh, no. Not hard-to-replace shoelaces. Okay, hold on for a moment. Let me, let me peek. Okay. So he feels like he needs to do something about – did he do this when you lived in L.A.? Well, yes. Yes, he did. But it's gotten worse since we moved to New York. And only, I I think only because we don't have as much closet space. Uh So there are just more shoes out. Like our shoes are lined up along the door instead of in a bedroom. Totally. There's just, uh, there's more temptation. But recently I've been building a barrage and he cannot cross that. Okay, so let's go to your cell phone idea for a minute because this is, this feels connected. I feel like what he wants you to do is better communicate when you're going, when you're coming back. And I understand that you might not be able to actually tell him when you're coming back because you might not know what time you're coming back. I can spend some time talking to him about the merits of leaving your shoes alone. But he's got a real stubbornness about him and he really likes, he really likes moving your shoes. Now, the other part of it is, do you talk to him? All day, every day. That's kind of what I thought you'd say. Okay. Because it looks like when you're leaving, do you tend to run late? Oh, like, like, am I rushing to get out of the house? Yeah. Yeah. He usually starts to get anxious when I'm on my way out because he can see that I'm walking back and forth across the apartment with great pace. Yeah. And it's different than me, like, just walking through the bedroom or walking to the living room. So basically what I'm seeing, what he's showing me happens is that you're like, when you're rushing to leave, you're kind of like, not really grounded. You're not able to communicate with him effectively. Like, you know, he sees what you're doing. He understands, but you're not talking to him in the way that animal communication works. Like you're not emotionally present because you're like rushing and you're in the future of like, oh shit, I got to get the subway or whatever it is. And so it does create a lot of anxiety for him. I would experiment with the idea of, and this will be very hard, but, uh, you know, spending 30 to 60 seconds before leaving, regardless of whether or not you're late, 
it's like breathing and getting really present and really grounded and just like getting on the floor with him for a minute. And see, the problem is he's, he's saying that you try this sometimes, but you're like, you're actually like elsewhere. And so it does, he's like, <laughs> he just wants to sit on you and like make you stay until you're calm. He doesn't always hate it when you leave. It's not like he likes it when you leave, but this is kind of when it's worse. So basically it's, it's about being able to be centered or grounded enough that he knows kind of who you are and how to locate you. It looks like you have the kind of relationship where, for, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's like you recognize the personhood in him. Like you really see him. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, when you have moments where you don't, it like makes him really nervous. And I think in general, when he's around humans, that he feels like have any amount of like power or influence over his life who don't see his personhood, it makes him more anxious or defensive. He's, he's so interesting. You only live with one person, not two, right? Yeah. Is there another person who comes into the house a lot? We have a dog walker. That, okay. But so far, the dog walker only comes over when I'm home because he hasn't let... Uh, there are dog walkers in New York, at least when we were in LA, we had a dog walker that he loved that would come in and play with him. And that was fine. But in New York, he hasn't let anyone come inside the house and take him when we're not home. Mm. And by not allow, I mean, like he barks and he growls and no one else has felt safe approaching him. That's Yeah. So, and do you like this dog walker? I do. Cause he's kind of like a tough New Yorkie guy. And I think he dominates Hank a little bit. Mm-hmm. in a way that makes Hank feel safe. Okay. So, and do you know his first name? Do you feel comfortable saying it? It's Danny. Okay. Hold on for a minute. Okay. So he doesn't like Danny in the house at all. He's very, very firm about it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. He's very <laughs> firm about it, but it's because Danny, Danny's really fun to play with, but doesn't actually see his personhood in that particular way. Um, was it a woman who you had dog walking in LA? Yes. Yeah. He really likes her. Um, he like trust yeah, her. They would talk. Like they had a relationship. Danny's not yeah. exactly about that. This is still new, eh? Living in New York with him. Yeah. Just a couple months. He's having a hard time with the energetic adjustment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that he loves being cold. I don't know that he loves the dirt. There's like a lot of things that he's very much an LA girl living in a New York world right now. Like he's just not sure about certain things. And then other ways he really loves it there. Like really loves it there. He's actually showing that you had the exact same adjustment. (laughs) Like he's just not as far along in the adjustment as you are. He's like, um, I see. Are you in a building? Like in a building with with, uh, units above and below you? I'm on the second floor. So there are like stores below me but there are units above me. Okay. So yes, I guess yes. Noise. It's like noise and energy. He's just not yeah. used to having noise above and below. He's not used to having energy from so many different sources all at once. It is making him a little needier. Um, yeah. Did you change his food as well? I did. He's, it just, it's just a lot of change at once. It's better food. He likes it better. Um, is he eating it? Yeah, he's eating it so much better than the other food. Yeah. Than like the more expensive food. Yeah, he he he's showing it to me. It looks yellowish. It looks like gold. He loves it. But the problem is, is that it's more new. And so even though he likes it better than the other food, and it, it, it's objectively better, is what he's showing me. It's just like everything is different. 
and what you do for fun is different and like where you are when you hang out is different the air is different he's just really like shocked <laughs> let me ask you something about yeah. hank's well-being but do i need to take him to the doctor he doesn't want to go to the doctor uh so let's just start with that um so because i asked him which was a mistake i should approach this differently but he does not want <laughs> to the doctor have you brought him to the doctor once since being in new york yes one time he hated it it was awful for him he hated it it was very cool he had to get shots oh, okay that makes sense he did not like it at all he's just like please do not bring me back to the doctor if you have a concern bring your dog to the doctor for sure slash he's not showing me distress mm-hmm so I'm not getting a strong, like, yes, please do that. But if, if, you know, if you, if you're at all concerned, absolutely. You should bring Hank to the doctor, but I don't see that, but I could, you know, he doesn't want me to see it. Yeah. He didn't want to go to the I'm doctor. fine. Get off me. I'm fine. Exactly. That's exactly it. And also like he could just is now that he's showing me the doctor, he's really showing me that he really didn't like the doctor. It's weird because everything's heated in New York, but he's just showing me that everything's cold. Hmm. I know. Put his jacket on him. He does have a little yellow raincoat that's fun to wear for me. For me. <laughs> yeah, for you, obviously. He's not that kind um, of okay. Here's another question Sorry. that is controversial. Okay. I was thinking about taking him back to LA just because I'm going to be traveling a lot mm-hmm. and having him stay with my roommate there. What's her first name? Christine. Would he be happier there than with like the back and forth of me, the, than the instability of me coming and going and him being with like other people? And, you know? He doesn't want to be with, with New York people that he doesn't know. That's, yeah. that's a clear thing. Why not your mom? Because she has a cat and that cat will poke Hank's eyes out. That's respectable. I respect that as, as a cat myself. I. <laughs> <laughs> so your roommate is she going through a breakup no i don't think so she's going through the opposite i think they're gonna move in together i see she's like falling for someone and because hank is showing me a concern about her relationship status as her being the person to stay with so i guess his concern is does she have the bandwidth to really be his best friend <laughs> because if he's going to be someplace that's not with you, he wants it to be like, if he's going to like move and all that kind of stuff, he wants it to be really, really good. Basically the longer I talk to Hank, the more he's like you, he wants, he wants to feel joyous. And so I guess, does she, is she really seriously open to it? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, he really likes her, but he's, he doesn't want to be second fiddle, but I don't think you're, partner exactly wants or is ready to take on the kind of like care and consistency that Hank needs. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a big commitment. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of emotional energy. I mean, he's always on my mind in one way or the other. Yeah, of course. He's your best friend. I mean, that's, that's real. He relies on me for life. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. for, for survival. Yeah. And just Hank get on well with your partner. Um, yes, they they do love each other, but also Hank is really a one person dog. Yeah, like he treats he treats my partner way better when I'm not around. That makes perfect sense. He's <laughs> what he's showing me about your partner. I don't know if you use that term, partner, boyfriend. I use that term. Both, sure. 
Sure. Okay, cool. Um, your, your cookie. <laughs> he, he's showing me that he's like, they have work to do of just like really spending time together and getting to know each other. It's like Hank has these ways that he's gotten to know people in your life before. And it's just going really differently with your cookie. And, um, I don't know why I'm calling him a cookie. I'm just, I feel like you, you're doing that because you're psychic and because it's a word. It's a, it's very close to the word we use. For okay. Okay. That makes, thank you. It's just like the ways that Hank knows how to get to know people in your life haven't exactly played out in the situation. And I think it's a combo platter of cookie isn't, isn't a girl and isn't in LA. You know, it's like just different. It's mm. just different. It's not bad. It's just different. And so Hank is feeling more slow with cookie and not hesitant. He doesn't like distrust him. It's just, it's slower. And so he doesn't, if you're leaving, he doesn't want to stay in New York. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's kind of the answer of it. You know, I think he really does like the warmth and the comfort of LA. Yeah. Not to poo poo on New York. Je love New York. But that's what I'm seeing. And does he move Cookie's shoes as well? Yes. Yeah. Less, less so, but it happens. It's, it's a love thing, actually. It's like, it's like evidence that, that he likes Cookie. Mm -hmm. It's like, nobody's don't get booed with Hank. You know what I mean? So this like shoe stealing is actually like a sign of like <laughs> a person. Yeah. Yeah. Hank is cute. Hold on. So you don't use sage? Sage in the house? Yeah. We use, we have a ton of Palo Santo, but we, um, Hank doesn't like fire. It is. He doesn't like it at all, but, but you used to use it more in LA than you do in New York is what he's showing me. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have any sage in New York right now. It's interesting because what Hank is showing me, I don't, I agree. He doesn't like it, any of it. He doesn't like incense or smoke of any kind, but what he's showing me is that he, he thinks you should use the sage again. He just thinks it works better. Oh, okay, yeah. buddy. I know. And Whatever he, you say. It's interesting. He's showing me like you hold on to more in New York. And he's just like, he just understands that it would help you to let go of more. Um, it's not about like anything other than just the, the energy. You know, it's not like something's wrong. This is really funny. So you wanted to do this with me because you wanted to check in on Hank. But Hank actually has an agenda of checking in on you. <laughs> Uh, this is really funny. He's also, uh, are you writing? Yes, every day. Every day. And you don't bring him with you when you write? Oh, no, I do. I write from home. But, oh, this is him screaming. Hello, hi. Um, he, so Danny comes in the morning so that I don't have to walk him in the morning so that I can just wake up and write because that is when I can write. That's when my brain wants to do it. Totally. So walking Hank was, hold on, buddy. I'm going to have to take this away for a second. Oh my God. Um, I just threw it on the other side of the room and he bolted after it. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was just harder to get going if I had to walk Hank for an hour in the morning. Of course. Yeah. Creatively. Yeah, of yeah. course. You wouldn't, wouldn't have time for it. It's interesting. I don't know that Hank's feedback is, is very useful, but I'll just tell you what he's showing me. And I just want you to know, he's like playing like crazy because he's very excited. We're finally talking about his agenda. Just <laughs> um, he's just so loving. He just like patiently answered your questions until it was his turn. <laughs> <laughs> very cute dog. Um, but he, 
he feels like like there's like this seriousness that comes upon you when you're writing like you get so laser focused that that's when he thinks you should sage first to kind of lighten the load because it's like it's almost like what he's showing me is like this is not the metaphor he's using. I'm just going to use this metaphor. It's like it's like you're trying to sing a song, but you haven't warmed up your vocal cords. Essentially, like the same thing, kind of making it easier for you to have your creative process. He really likes writing with you. He really likes that time. He's very enthusiastic about you going out. He calls it playing. He's talking about when you're like performing or doing some sort of like work thing that you really enjoy. He refers to it as play. So when you leave to play, he's actually fine with it. He's, he's supportive of it. Everything else he thinks is a, a waste of your time to be away. <laughs> so it's like, if you're not playing, he kind of thinks like, well, why didn't you bring me with you? There's really no reason for me to not be there. If you're playing, he gets it. It's like dog park time for him. You know, it's like he wants you to be nearby, but he doesn't actually want you to be in the park with him. He's doing something else. And he understands that for you, whether you're directing or you're, you're acting or whatever it is that you're doing, if it's something you really enjoy creatively, it's that same thing. And so he just wants you to have a high quality of life. But if you're not at like a 10 out of 10 for happiness, he should be there. Um, there's no excuse. So <laughs> that's his, that's his uh, little two cents. Um, hold on. Okay. Let's talk about his water for just a quick minute. It's a, it's a shallow bowl. Uh-huh. And do you change it frequently? Well, he drinks it so fast. I'm always refilling it. Constantly refilling it. Yeah. He has like a, have you ever tried one of those water fountains for him? No. I, you know I'm going to look it up as soon as we get off the phone. I know you are, and I love you for it. Yeah, he, there's like two things that bother him. One is that his water bowl, bowl is too shallow, but he doesn't really like a deeper bowl better because then his face gets wet. So he's kind of like, <laughs> he's kind of like, that's not key about the situation. The other thing he really doesn't like about his water bowl is when his own fur gets in it. He's mm -hmm. kind of prissy about, about this. And I think, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the heater, if, if your heater in your apartment is kind of like on the ground. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because there's something that's happening with the dust or the, his fur or something, that, something that's happening in the environment that is getting in his water bowl and he doesn't love it. Okay. So, I mean, he'll drink water regardless, you know, obviously, but I might check out one of those water fountains because sometimes you can drink, like they can drink as the water kind of runs down as much as in the bowl. And that might be quite nice for him. They're also filtered. He's, he's into trying this. He, of course it was my idea, but he's just showing me what he didn't like. So this is what, you know, so I'm suggesting it. And he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I would try that. He doesn't prefer, is he drinking out of a metal bowl? Yeah. He doesn't prefer metal. He doesn't prefer seeing himself like having that like reflectiveness. <laughs> Um, <laughs> have him a ceramic bowl or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look up this water fountain. Okay. You're all, uh, hold please. But it w was it a white bowl in LA? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he preferred that one. Um, <laughs> it was like the texture of it, the feeling of it. He just preferred it. Um, I don't know why, but dogs tend to really care about water. Like a lot, actually a lot. Um, yeah, of course. It's kind of a big part of their lives. They don't have a lot of control over many things. So I think they care about the things that they have control over. And it also, it's probably as much of a treat for him as food is. Yes. Yes. He really, I mean, not when his fur is in it. That's not a treat for him. Now, hold on. There's something else he wants me to see. Okay. You have three treats you give him. 
One of them looks like a biscuit. Uh huh. So is the biscuit for his teeth? Uh, no. He has a little toothbrush for his teeth, like a little grainy toothbrush. How are his teeth? Yeah, okay, I think they're sensitive. Oh, so he doesn't want a crunchy thing. He wants a softer thing. I mean, that's a hard question because he, his compulsion is a crunchy thing. But mm-hmm. I actually wonder if he is, and the new food you're giving him, it's, it's soft food, isn't it? No, it's not. It's dry, but I do add a little bit of water to it to make it a little, a little softer. Okay, so I crumble, I crumble a little biscuit into it. Okay. Oh, maybe that's what you're talking about. I don't know. I crumble a little biscuit into his food and then I blend it and mix it with a little bit of water. So it like flavors all of the food. Sure. And is the biscuit a little bit of a darker brown? Oh, that's actually, yeah, that's a little cookie that I give him. There's a dark brown cookie. Okay. The cookie is what we need to be talking about. He was like, what are the cookies? (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I I didn't know what he was going to tell me, but he was just trying to get me to see this. He would like much more of the cookies. Like you dole these cookies out very infrequently. You know what's so funny? This is like I feel like there was a sketch about this or something where like somebody wishes that their dog could talk, and then when the dog can talk, they're like, "Never mind, we don't want to," because everything the dog is saying is like more cookies, more biscuits, more cookies. Pet me here, pet me on my belly, pet me on my butt now. That is exactly right. right. Whenever people are like, "I wish I could talk to my animal friend," I'm like, or. You don't want to be criticized all the time, depending on your animal friend. Um, but no, he would like those cookies more frequently. You don't give them up very often. I don't know. Why are they expensive? Uh, no, they're not that expensive. I mean, I spend so... I have a I have a Hank budget that I allot myself every month because I, I want to buy him cute things and give him like puzzle toys and, you know, Glass think he's smarter. <laughs> oh my God, that's really funny. He, he thinks that you, you're... Some of the toys are not necessary for him, and you know which these are because he refuses to play with them more than twice. He's really into those cookies. You're very regimented with the way you feed him, and he would just like food all day long, which obviously you don't have to do, but that's what he would like. And, <laughs> and there's this bed that you used to have for him. He would like step up and into it. Mm, he misses his old bed. Okay, so you know what bed I'm referring to. Yeah, of course he does. He loved that bed. Oh. And he spend like all this time in it and he would be like so cute in it. Yeah. I yeah. mean he's so cute all the time. But yeah, I can feel that he doesn't love the bed he has right now. He doesn't the most. The one that he has right now, it's like is it like velvety or something? Yeah, it's like super soft and plushy and furry. But yeah, I think it maybe doesn't have as much of like a tempurpedic as he would prefer yeah, yeah that's right the other one was it like a sheepskinny vibe oh yeah he did have a sheepskin what he's talking about he likes oh, the, that was just a little cheapo ch- sheepskin you know what sometimes all a kid needs is a box and a stick and a pot <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> that's all he wants that's all he wants he loved that bed and I I wonder if that was the first bed that you ever had for him and it was just kind of like nostalgic I don't know if it's like physical or if it's nostalgia but he needs a little bit more nostalgia for while you're in New York I mean it sounds like you're only going to be there another month but you know he's just reporting to me all of his needs you ask him questions he's saying like all day long every day like how do you feel what do you need how are you like he 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 knows that you really want to know so he's like giving me kind of like a report of the things that kind of make him nervous um because you know all the things that make him happy 
and you're only worried about what you don't know. Now, my sweet, sweet friend. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Jessica Lagnato? <laughs> it's just, not only are you actually a cupcake, but constructed to look like a person. I am a cupcake constructed also, to look like a person. Also, you're just a really good friend. And so, like, I feel so lucky that you are actually my friend and I have access to you in this personal deep way. But I feel so grateful that now the world has access to this great friend because you just give great advice even when you're not channeling anything. You're just so emotionally intelligent. Oh, stop. Just shut up. You shut up. No, you shut up. Lucky to have you, babe. I'm lucky to have you. That was really nice. And I'm glad this isn't video because I'm blushing. Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks. I love you. I love you. I like using astrology way beyond signs. And I'm obsessed with the outer planets because I'm really interested in how inherited issues are reflected in the birth chart and how they impact our relationship to ourselves and others. And that, my loves, is all in the book I wrote called Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. It drops on New Year's Eve 2019. Very exciting. And I hope you pre-order it anywhere that they sell books. Delightful books anyways. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to dear friend and astrologer Annabelle Gatt. She's the author of Astrology of Love and Sex. And she says, forget everything you think you know about astrology and relationships. Astrology for Real Relationships is here to save you from the junk on the internet, guiding you through the planets and their placements to give budding and seasoned astrologers lessons on intimacy through an astrological lens. With this book, everyone can benefit from Jessica's decades of experience as a consulting astrologer. Pre-order it wherever books are sold. Also find links on lovelinyato.com. Schmappies and schmittens, it's horoscope time again. So there's a lot to talk about this week, including a new moon in Sagittarius, which is exciting. And we're going to be looking at the week of November 24th through the 30th of 2019. But I actually want to point you really briefly towards a podcast interview I did just last week on episode 230 of the Astrology Podcast. I have a really in-depth conversation with the host, Chris Brennan, about my forthcoming book on the astrology of relationships, on relationship astrology in general. And, you know, we kind of dive deep into a lot of really, uh, I think, juicy and delightful topics. So if you're in the market for more moi or more astrology or astrology of relationships, in particular, um, having a feminist and queer inclusive perspective on relationships, then you really don't want to miss that episode. So check it out. I'll also say, just while I'm here doing some business, that if you've pre-ordered my book, you're a damn sweetheart. Thank you. And if you're still thinking about pre-ordering my book, I have actually really exciting news about it, which is that you can take that receipt and you can get a bonus offer. And it's only available for pre-orders for a 2020 astrological calendar. It's something downloadable. You can use it digitally. You can print it out. And it's an astrology calendar with the art from my book and, you know, important dates like Mercury retrograde, eclipses, all that kind of good stuff. 
it's free and it's cute. And, you know, why not get something free and cute whilst also getting my damn book? So check it out. Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. Available for pre-order now. Links to all the things are in the show notes. And you can find all the things on my website at lavelagnato.com. That's all. That's all the self-promotion I'm going to do. Okay, let's get astrological, shall we? So I mentioned to you at the end of last week's episode, episode 73, I mentioned to you the Mars opposition to Uranus and the Venus conjunction to Jupiter because you started to feel it before the 24th. On the 24th, both of those transits are exact. So you're still going to be feeling their effects for a couple days after the 24th, but it is at its kind of peak on the 24th as the transits are exact. Now, Mars opposite Uranus is explosive and it's dynamic. Mars is what we do and Uranus is freedom. And Mars is explosions and Uranus is in a different way, explosions. And so when these two forces oppose each other on a global scale, this is unpredictable. Wherever we have Uranus, it is unpredictable. And it can look like some pretty explosive drama on a social scale. We may see men in power, and I say men in power because Mars technically governs maleness. You know I don't really vibe with that, but at the same time, when we're looking at societal, political, and corporate power, we're oftentimes looking, and traditionally speaking, looking at men. So we can see men in power having sudden losses or sudden gains saying things or doing things they weren't planning on doing. And uh, there can be really explosive consequences for that. Where we have Uranus, we have the potential for social change, humanitarian shifts. And that is reiterated by the Venus conjunction to Jupiter, uh, kind of a focus on the values that we have for society and for the benefit of the people. And so this can be a really pivotal time. And what that looks like is hard to predict because it's Uranus. And because I'm not speaking about this in one country or one culture or one company, I'm talking about this as like a global shift, right? These transits, as I talk about them, are global. And unless we're looking at the astrology of a specific country or a specific movement or event, we are looking at global conditions, uh, which is, I think, really interesting and also, in a way, makes it a lot more complicated because we have to contextualize the astrology that we are looking at to the situation that we are looking at it from the vantage point of. So around this date in your personal life, what you want to be able to do is to know that your impulses are going to be strong and your desire for freedom or to act out is going to be strong. And that doesn't mean good or bad. It doesn't mean good or bad, but it does mean you want to, as much as possible, do this thing that I'm always talking about, which is being present for your reactions so that you're intentional about your responses. And I want you to know that Uranus and Jupiter are the two planets that have some of the hardest times. I think Pluto is arguably in, the, in that list, but has the hardest time doing that because Uranus and Jupiter are both very impulsive planets. They're very reactive planets in that regard because they have strong impulses and they want you to react. And they generally have like a shtick behind the impulse, like an idea behind the impulse or a philosophy behind the impulse. So you're going to want to just really pair your reactions with intention so that your responses reflect 
what you actually want to do and the consequences you're willing to bear. It's really good work if you can get it. It's not completely obvious what that means unless you're willing to sit with yourself. And I think where people have a really hard time with these energies is when you're like caught up in the cycle of anxious reaction. And you're like, okay, wait, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And so when you get yourself in that cycle, what you want to kind of slow down and, and remember is first I get calm, then I get intentional, and then I get ideas about what to do. Not anxious response, action response, because then your action will be inspired by anxiety. And as much as possible, whenever possible, try to have your actions inspired by intention. And your intention can be informed by anxiety, but not completely motivated by anxiety. You capiche me? I think you do. On the 25th, we have Venus moving into Capricorn. And I think that this is a really great time for connecting with people who've been in your life for a long time. It's a great time for, um, you know, kind of considering the transactional nature of relationships. And I don't mean that in like a capitalistic crappy way. I mean that in if somebody's been scratching your back, it's a good time to remember that and to offer to scratch theirs. You know, this is a good time to make sure if you've been having a hard time and you have friends who've been checking in on you and asking you questions and being there as support, you know, return the favor or at least acknowledge what they've been doing. You know, Venus and Capricorn is very much oriented around barter. It's like, let me take care of you and you take care of me. It doesn't have to be in the exact same way, but it is really kind to, um, return things in kind. Now, additionally, Venus moving into Capricorn is yet another planet in the sign of Capricorn, and it deepens the lesson or it deepens the theme, both for you personally, for the people in your life personally, and also globally, of looking at hierarchies, the hierarchies of what we value, how we value it, how we engage with the things we care about, and what resources we devote to the people, the things, the ideas that we care about. So this is a nice theme to continue to consider as we are in Sagittarius season, but moving into a very Capricorn vibration, right? And that will only increase next week when Jupiter enters into the sign of Capricorn as well. Trust, I'll talk about it next week. On the 26th, we have a new moon in Sagittarius, and that'll be happening at 7.06 a.m. Pacific time, okay? And new moons, as I always say, are when the sun and moon are the exact same degree of the exact same sign. That's a new moon. And generally speaking, new moons are excellent for setting intention and for starting a new cycle. And whenever we're talking about new moon and full moon, you know, we're always talking about the start and the end of an emotional cycle. And the reality is that when we get too precious (laughs) and when we get too analytic about these lunar cycles, then we miss the point because big change, big growth, big development in our lives is really comprised of lots of smaller shifts, adjustments, insights, failures, successes, changes right? And when we have these lunar shifts, so there's a new moon every month, there's a full moon every month. It happens every month. We have one of each. And so when we can strive to be present for these lunar shifts, what happens is we, over the course of time, create a more present life where we make more conscious choices, where we call things in with greater intention 
And then when whatever results we get, they make more sense to us because we were really present for our actions or our lack of action along the way. So this new moon in Sagittarius is actually quite lovely. I look at the new moon chart and I am not worried. I don't see anything terribly upsetting, which is so wonderful. I mean, we do have the Uranus-Mars opposition in the new moon chart. It's still an active transit. Now, with both having the sun and moon in Sag, this Jupiter is almost at the 29th degree of Sagittarius, and there's 30 degrees of every sign. When planets hit the 29th degree, they tend to be really powerful in their effects. So because of all this dynamic Sagittarius energy, with the curveball of Uranus-Mars opposition, this can be a time that is distracting, overwhelming, inspiring. It can be a time where things happen that you weren't expecting or you surprisingly do something that you weren't planning on doing. It just kind of happens. And what you want to make sure of is that whatever you're doing comes from a place of intention and reflects your vision. And when I say reflects your vision, I'm talking about reflects your vision of the person you intend to be in the world. Uh, the morality you choose to live by in the world, the fun you want to have in your life, and the participant in society that you hope to be. Actually, it's a really dynamic time because it's not necessarily about trying to get you to get out there and do things. Because we're talking about the moon, it's I'm trying to get you to go within and align your vision for what you want to do. And this is a beautiful thing about Sagittarius and, and Jupiter, Jupiter being its ruling planet, is that it's about vision. Jupiter, Sagittarius, this sign and planet are both associated with manifestation. And manifestation is the concept, love it or hate it, that when you have a clear picture, when you have a clear vision, it's easier for you to call in the material circumstances that match it. When we're not really clear about what the question is or what the ambition is, it's a lot harder to achieve it. We rely too heavily on luck or the kindness of strangers, as they say. And so, you know, getting really clear about your vision, about what you want to call in, about the layers of that vision, allowing yourself to be individualistic about it, because again, that Uranus Mars, allowing yourself to want what you want because it's your truth and not because of what other people will think or say or do. This is very well starred for the new moon. And so I encourage you to get present, to get present for what's uncomfortable, for what you're scared of, for what you hope, for what you yearn for, and try to pair that presence with intention. But you can't do it all at once, right? So if you're going to do some sort of woo ritual, first spend a fair amount of time and energy getting present for whatever messiness that you're experiencing. And then pair that with intention to not just try to do it all at once because it's sticky and messy and it's worth being kind of patient with. And Sagittarius is not a patient sign, my friends. And Mars, Uranus opposition is not a patient energy. So you want to follow those internal shooting stars and even those external shooting stars, those things that are, are distracting and engaging and exciting to you. You want to pair all of that stuff with the willingness to be intentional, the willingness to be present, and to even be excited about the potential of what could come next or come from this. So that's, that's my hot take on this new moon. And I think that the Neptune trine to Mercury that we have in this particular chart, uh, it's not exact, but it is an active transit in this, in this new moon chart will help you. It will help you if you make the choice to align yourself with your intuition, 
and with your vision for yourself, for the future, whatever it is. It is a supportive energy to help you along that way. So I do encourage you to do that. Now, one quick last thing I'll say about this new moon is there's no air in the new moon chart. It's earth and fire and water. And so if you are messing with uh, having an altar or doing some sort of like ritual work or magic, be really intentional about the air that is all around you. You know, elementally from an astrological perspective or a woo perspective, air is ideas. It's hard to pin down, right? And if you find yourself airing on the side of ideas that are um, not rooted in your body or your physical reality or the time you live in, earth, or what you've done and what you're willing to do and what you're excited about, fire, or how you feel, water, then you're not going to get very far with it. It'll just be some great yada, 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 blah, 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 right? So as much as possible, bring your intention to air and don't over focus on it, but also don't ignore it. Okay. Okay. My loves. Okay. Now we go to more astrology. On the 28th, we have that Mercury trine to Neptune finally exact. We also have a Venus trine to Uranus exact. Now these two transits, what they will do is actually nothing too dramatic. These transits will allow you to look internally or at your life at what is and isn't happening and have greater vision inspiration, maybe even a willingness to compromise, right? That's a really lovely thing. Now, we are in the shadow of Mercury retrograde. And honestly, I don't usually pay a lot of attention to the retro shade. I don't usually have really strong feelings about the shadow, the post-Mercury retrograde shadow. Usually, you know, for about a week, it's a little like, meh, not great. But I'm definitely noticing this retro shade has been a pain in my buns and in the pain of many other people's buns. And so if you are finding that it is also a pain for you, December 7th, it's technically over. And what retrograde shadow is, is when, you know, the planet is retrograding, it's moving backwards through the zodiacal degrees. And then when the retrograde's over, it moves direct. So it retraces its steps through the zodiacal degrees. And the shadow is basically when it for all of those degrees that it's retracing, there we go. That's the shadow period. So it's technically over December 7th. However, I imagine and hope, fingers crossed that I'm right about this, that by around the, around the 27th, 28th of November, we're going to feel a real lightening of this retro shade. But you know, as long as you're in it, you're in it. And the shadow period is a great time to review what went on in the past month with the retrograde. And certainly this Mercury trying to Neptune and Venus trying to Uranus will support you in doing that. So I encourage you to, you know, use this energy with as much intention as you can. But, you know, as I always say with these easy, lovely transits, you're not going to notice them for the most part unless they're hitting your chart or you're doing something really intentional about it. So why not? Why not leverage as much as you can? The final transit of this week is another transit from Mercury. It's Mercury forming a sextile to Saturn. It's a nice, stabilizing transit. It's a great time for making plans, running through your inbox, reviewing your approach to things. You know, it's real practical. So if you can do that, uh, especially if you can do that by reviewing what happened in the retrograde, you will be making really good use of this energy. Speaking of making good use of this energy... You know you can write me questions for the podcast. Obvi, you can. You just go to ghostofapodcast.com. All right, thanks, my loves. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.